It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook. He's Kevin McNamara. Episode 7 here for the 2021 season. And the Big East continues with its nightly dramatic performances playing out on stages in 11 different locales. Very much a road show that often favors the visitor over the home team. But as these performances all approach the central stage on Broadway, or more specifically, Madison Square Garden in New York coming up, we have superstar performers, we have understudies waiting in the wings, we have bright lights exposing previously darkened corners of these stages, and we have stories ready to play themselves out. What we don't yet know is how these stories will play out. Every team in the Big East has its own story, so... Kevin, tell me your story so far for this season. How does this one play out, do you think, over the final few weeks? Well, this is a drama passion play, direct <laughs> direct from Broadway and Times right. Square. Hopefully, John, when we finally return to New York, theaters will be open to welcome us. That would be a welcome addition to our lives, don't you think? It would be. It would definitely be. I think we realize that uh, that may still be a ways away, but nevertheless, Yes. We've got good storylines that we can follow here, I think, over the next few weeks in terms of the teams within the Big East. And there is going to be some jockeying, I think, for position as teams try to get themselves NCAA tournament worthy, whatever that means right now. John, let's go right to the very top. So Villanova, obviously, with numerous COVID issues, they're scheduled to play 15 games in the Big East. Creighton, however, really hasn't had any pauses. They're on target to play all 20. Now, right now, Villanova has a two-game lead in the loss column. Nova has five games left the rest of the way. Vill- uh, Creighton has four. So can Creighton catch them? I think they can. Villanova's lineup is difficult beginning this weekend with Connecticut. They also have St. John's. They also have the big rematch with Creighton. They, yep. end, they end the season at Providence, which is will not be an easy game for the Wildcats. So I don't think first place is open. Forget about the jockeying in the middle and the NCAA tournament jockeying. So the stage is set. Let's get on with the show, and here's our Big East headlines. Villanova and Creighton remain ranked in the AP Top 25. Villanova 10th this week, with Creighton moving up to 14th, largely on the basis of the Blue Jays' 86-70 win over the Wildcats last weekend. Xavier continued to receive votes in the poll as well, but there is depth beyond the top. Nine Big East teams rank in the top 100 of the Ken Palm ratings. Seven are rated in the net top 85. St. John's had its six-game winning streak snapped last week at Butler, but picked it right back up this week with a win over Xavier, their first over the Musketeers in six years after 12 straight losses. In the process, head coach Mike Anderson collected his 400th career college coaching victory. Connecticut welcome back sophomore guard James Booknight after missing eight games following surgery to an injured elbow. And the Huskies look transformed on offense, at least with his presence on the floor and avenging a road loss to Providence at Gamble Pavilion. The team's currently sitting 6th through 11th in the league standings, thinking momentum now, especially if they're to open tournament play on a Wednesday night during tournament week. Marquette got a road win at Butler. Xavier and Providence took tough road losses. 
home team showed a little more of an edge this week. The overall record now at 39 and 34 going into the weekend. Seton Hall was at home for a Wednesday win over DePaul. That's the 18th straight victory for the Pirates, holding an opponent to less than 70 points. Seton Hall also has double-digit wins in league play for the fifth time in six years. Kevin, what struck you as out of the ordinary or particularly poignant this week about what you saw on the floor? Well, this is the time of year, John, where teams need to win, keep moving the ship forward if they want to be ready for the NCAA tournament and those at-large bursts. The, the chunk of the Big East that needs to, that fits that profile, Seton Hall, big win, Connecticut, big win, and James Booknight back. So put a little bullet next to their name. St. John's, keep rolling up, rolling away, and Xavier. Xavier has some serious work to do. They've had too many COVID pauses. And right now at uh, four and four in the league, they need to make a sprint to the finish. Is there anybody else that you can see as a dark horse coming from the outside here in the last couple of weeks of the season and uh, going into the tournament, maybe with a, a momentum shot to, to squeeze their way in somehow? You know, I don't think anyone would want to play Marquette or Providence uh, once you get to New York. That said, I, I think both teams are up to double figure losses. I think they just have too much work to do in order to be an NCAA at-large team, but you don't want to see them at the Garden. Hey, thank you to our Westwood One affiliate stations this season for tuning in. Thanks for catching us on SiriusXM. If you're listening on a podcast, hey, take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review us if you could. You can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and PodFriend. For more on the podcast, go online. Our website is www.twitme.buzzsprout.com. You can also listen to this program online at westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. Insides, episode seven this week. It's still Villanova's world, and everyone else is just living in it. But know that the Wildcats are going through the same problems and situations as everyone else is, too. Head coach Jay Wright joins us to talk about that. A former Wildcat coach has his finger on the pulse of the contenders and pretenders within the Big East as an analyst for CBS. And Steve Lapis provides his insight on those teams for us. And the emergence of St. John's as a factor in this conference race has been led by the young'uns on that team. Those are some very talented young players. One of them, the Big East's leading scorer, is sophomore forward Julian Champagny. And he joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Three-point shot left side is good again. Julian Champagne. And St. John's takes the lead 53-51 with that three-point conversion. Back to back to back to back. Champagne cut loose. God, he's up by a deuce, mate. St. John's has certainly opened up some eyes, not just in the Big East Conference, but around the country of late with their play, with their wins on the floor, and of course, their style of play, and also the last name Champagne becoming quite familiar to fans around the country. St. John's sophomore forward Julian Champagne joins us this week in the Big East. All right, Julian, who's got better game? You or your brother at Pittsburgh right now? I'm saying I got better game than Justin, 100. <laughs> All right, but you got to give us you got to give us a reason why you've got the edge over Justin right now. If of course you do, tell us tell us what about your play right now is a step above what your brother's doing. Uh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just say well, uh, I probably see the way I shoot the basketball. I shoot a little better than him, and uh, I put the ball on the floor a little bit more. He's a little more dominant, you know, in what he does, the rebounding and stuff. He's a force, but 
I'm 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 gonna have to go with myself like this one. So you you take your game a little bit more to the outside, and you say Justin tends to go more interior. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's on ahead just about. Okay. Well, and Julian, uh, you got your team winning more games, uh, which is uh, obviously most important. What's yeah. been what's been the difference in the last you know month for, for the Red Storm? Why why has things started to click in the right direction? <laughs> Well, I, I'd say that we have more people uh, cooking. You know, we have more people uh, coming to play and, and, and producing. Um, I think I forgot the stat, what the stat was last night, but I think our bench had scored 30-something points. Um, and that's that's huge for us, you know, that we don't have to have our starters playing 40 minutes a game, 35 minutes a game. We could uh, take breaks and we could trust that who no matter who goes in the game, the energy is still going to be there and someone's going to – and people are, are – my, my, my teammates are going to – you know, they're going to um, – they're going to produce. That's, I think that's what's been our, our biggest, our biggest thing. And also us just playing defense. I feel like we're getting tough on the defensive end of the court and understanding that we're going to get offense from our defense. We'll get easy buckets, easy layups, easy walking shots from playing defense. And then that'll kind of take, it kind of take care of the rest. You know, I know you guys are in the middle of it all and you're just trying to improve and, and, and play the next game. And you obviously had a great win this week, as we just talked about, but at the same time, have you been able to sort of figure out how you guys have come from, almost off the radar to having the impact that you're having, not only with your wins in this league, but how you're starting to pick up attention around the country. I mean, it's got to be a good feeling to say that St. John's basketball is getting that attention in New York City again. Uh, yeah, no, it is. It is definitely a good feeling. You know, uh, me and my teammates talk all the time and how, uh, and how you know, we want to win. You know, and beginning the beginning of the big East season, we weren't, we weren't winning games. And... Uh, we don't like that. You know, that's not that's not what, what we like to do. We like to win games. I feel like everybody wants to win. Um, but it feels good. Locking vibe is, uh, is much better. It's, it's energetic. You know, we're excited to play. We're excited to practice. And uh, we just want to get out there and get, and, and get it done on the court. Julian, can you talk about the difference in the offensive rope, I guess you'd say, that you have from this year to last year? Obviously, you lost some pretty good players off last year's team. But it seems as if in Coach Anderson's system – uh, he, he wants to put you in a position to score as, as much as possible. And uh, you certainly have stepped up to the challenge. Yeah. Um, I'd say, well, I'd say that coach puts uh, just about everybody in position to score. I feel like our, our, our offense is, uh, is, is through motion. You know, we do a lot of screen and stuff like that. So he has put me in a, in a really, in a really good spot. And I'd also have to give credit to my teammates for allowing me to, you know, be put in that spot because I know, you know, some people feel like, Oh, they should be in this spot. They should be in that spot. And I feel like my teammates, are comfortable with me being in a spot and I'm comfortable with them being in, in the same spot as well. So I feel like a lot of it goes to my teammates, you know, and then screening for me and feeding me confidence and stuff. But um, the scoring role has been fun though. I, I'd, I'd say that much. <laughs> it's been fun. Sure. You know, and, and that's a great point actually, because when you guys do play as we've observed thus far, you guys seem to know where everybody's going to be on any given time. Posh gets you the ball. Rasheem gets you the ball. When Greg has the ball, he gets you the ball. They find you. And so that tells me that you've got some chemistry out there that's kind of hard to coach. Uh, yeah, no, we definitely, we definitely do have great chemistry as a team, you know, from the locker room to practice to off the court, on the court. I think it shows, you know, especially from a bunch of us being from this area. You know, the new guys that came in were from this area. And even though Vince and Isaiah aren't from this area or from Toro, uh, we, we all just bond really well. You know, it's like it's not forced. It's, it just kind of just happens. So on the court, it shows that we're all good friends off the court. How about the growth of Posh Alexander? It's been a big storyline for St. John's. 
Uh, I believe you knew him before he arrived on campus because you're from the relatively the same general area, but his impact is certainly seems to be growing by the week for you guys. Uh, yeah, definitely. He's been phenomenal. You know, I tell him all the time he's been good. Um, and, you know, the Butler game, he kind of saw a different kind of defense played against him. They uh, kind of uh, sat in the lane on him, you know, and, and he wasn't used to that, you know, and I just told him, I was like, this is what you work for. You know, you work to get here and, and you show people that you have the chance to be one of the best point guards, if not the best point guard in the country. So they're going to start, they're going to try to stop that because they want to win games just like we want to win games. And I just told him to just keep playing and stuff like that. And I feel like yesterday, even though he felt like he had a poor shooting day, he hustled. He grabbed nine, uh, eight rebounds, nine assists, you know, like stuff like that. I feel like it's just phenomenal how he's playing and how his confidence is just trending upwards. You know, I feel like it's, it's, it's a really good thing for us. St. John's forward Julian Champagne joining us this week in the Big East. Okay, so let's 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 take a look at these guys, these teammates that you're out there on the floor with, and, and tell us who you believe right now is the one unsung hero that's not getting the props he should be getting because of your team's success. I don't know. I feel like everybody, I feel like everybody, everybody is really, really, uh, you know, impacting this team in a, in a, in a great way. Can I give you one? Because I really like the way that Dylan Adaiwusu plays and the way yeah. he compliments everybody out there. And maybe he's not getting the run he should be getting uh, from the from the media. Well, I I have to agree with that one. Uh, you know, I think Dylan comes in the game and he gives us a boost that's very much needed. And he has a set of skills that not many people have. You know, he has good hands. He's, he's, he's very energetic. His energy is off, off the charts. Yeah. Um, the friends and stuff. You know, I feel like he, he does deserve more media attention, just like anybody else does. You know, also... I'd have to say uh, Isaiah and and Marcellus. Those are two guys that, um, you know, they they struggled a little bit in the beginning, like all of us. Um, and they figured it out. And they and they, but but they but they kept with it. Um, their energy never dropped. They uh, always were good teammates, and I feel like they also deserve deserve media attention. Hey Julian, last one for us. So uh, one of the reasons you came to St. John's was the chance to play in the Garden, and you know, no Garden games this year for anybody in the league. And yet that little carrot sitting out there in a couple of weeks where everyone can gather at Madison Square Garden, I imagine you guys are really looking forward to that uh, opportunity. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a little different, you know, with uh, with no fans. I don't know how they're going to do it with no fans or if they're going to do it with fans, but it'll be a little different. You know, I mean, I, I'm glad I got to experience it last year, you know, in full effect. But uh, it's going to be fun. You know, it's going to be fun just getting back on the court. And that's our home court. That's how they're good. That's our home court. So it's going to be fun getting on a home court and, 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 and having a chance to compete for a championship, you know, which I think we're that we're uh, – pretty much in the race for Julian. We asked this to most of the guys that we do get a chance to talk to on this program. So got to ask you as well. It's sort of a two part question, but number one, what's your favorite arena to go to other than your own to play in, in the big East and, and who's your favorite matchup who, who challenges you uh, as far as the other guys in this league to be a better player? Well, I, I started with the person that challenged, probably challenged me the most when uh, defending me or, you know, um, I'm guarding them. I'd say, I'd probably say, uh, I want to say Denzel Mahoney from uh, from Creighton. The last mm -hmm. time, we, I mean, I know him off the court a little, a little bit, you know, social media and stuff like that. Pretty cool guy. Um, but yeah, I say you know, every time we go, every time we play them, uh, he's pretty adamant about you know defending and and and, and making people better along with himself. So probably my favorite arena to go to, besides ours, um, for this year, I'd say uh, I think Marquette. <laughs> this year, I think Marquette. I like Marquette. Marquette's arena. You're not the first person to say that, and I think it's because the Milwaukee Bucks play in that building. Yeah, I like that arena a lot. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. And that's St. John's sophomore forward Julian Champagny. Next up, who's hot? Who's standing out this week? 
Well, we'll have the best players, the top performers. We'll talk about them next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Who's hot? Zegarowski navigates from left to right, stops on the right wing, skips past Ballock on the left side, fakes the three, wraparound pass, right corner, Jefferson, open three, good! Jefferson from the deep right corner with three. He's got six, and the Blue Jays have their largest lead at 8, 37-29. It was Zagorowski's penetration that made that play, went by his defender, and then made the good cross-court pass. And Josh Roberts looking for Rasheem. Out top to Alexander, takes the three. Good! Posh Alexander with the straightaway three-point shot, and St. John's goes ahead 55-45. Book nine at the Husky logo, starts to his left, crossover move, into the basket, lays it up, and James Booknight, big time move. He reversed it in from the left side of the hoop, and UConn leads 32-25. Here's Ballock to the right side. He'll accelerate, drives all the way to the rim, layup is good. Villanova expecting Creighton to bleed clock, and instead Ballock attacks from the right wing, lays it in, 76-58. Creighton, 4.49 to go, and a timeout taken by Villanova. Two straight stops now by the St. John's defense. Two and a half to play here. Champagny dumps it into Erlington, gets away from Fremantle, lays it no good. Tap is up and good Ooh. by Alexander. <laughs> There's one of those examples. Minka playing like he's six foot ten. <laughs> a one-handed volleyball tip offensive putback. Step back three by Tyrese is good. So Martin's triple gives him 16. He's seven of ten on the night. UConn leads 35-27. Two for two from three. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Player of the Week. Who's hot this week? David Duke of Providence was definitely hot. The Friars, before they ran into UConn, he averaged 17 points, nine and a half rebounds, three assists, two steals, and it's pretty clear for Providence to make some kind of a move into the postseason, David Duke's going to have to lead him there, Kevin. David Duke has to play at an elite level, John, for Providence to be able to win games against the upper crust teams in this league. We saw that against UConn where Duke really struggled and Connecticut just manhandled the Pro- uh, Providence defensively. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the issue that the Friars have going forward. Duke just does not have enough help. And they ran into, uh, in that UConn team, they ran into the big East freshman of the week that week in Adama Sanogo for UConn. You know, he's six foot nine, but he's about 250 pounds. He's got a solid body for such a young player. He's definitely been a force inside inconsistent you can probably chalk that up to the fact that he is a freshman but we can see there's ability not only a freshman he's a hurried up freshman he really should be in his senior year in high school right now think about that yeah. can you imagine him you know taking names down there in the new in the new jersey prep ranks scary <laughs> wow <laughs> let's keep him around for a while then and let's see what he can turn into but hey uconn will have a presence inside for quite some time on the big east honor roll this week familiar names guys stepping up and getting it done here as crunch time approaches rj cole from uconn averaged 19 points six and a half assists per game in two games had uh, 24 points and seven assists and a big win at xavier christian bishop of creighton getting a lot of run i think uh from a lot of people but 16 and a half points and nine and a half rebounds and Shot nearly 78% from the floor in a perfect week for the Jays. Jared Roden, Seton Hall, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl Villanova, Zach Fremantle, Xavier, also all on the honor roll, also leading their teams during this stretch run. Well, those are four five really important players to the teams, and no surprise that I think all five te- five players could be from NCAA tournament teams. Christian Bishop, one of the more underrated players, not only in the Big East, but the country. And talk about underrated. 
How about Jared Roden, John, at Seton Hall? You know, just a consistent player, very dangerous, scores inside and out. When he plays well, Seton Hall has that extra level it. Our blasts from the past this week, dial it back 26 years ago to February 18th, 1995 at Gamble Pavilion in Stores, Connecticut. Kittles right now looks like he's going to match up head-to-head with Allen. When they come out, they look like they're going to zone. Look at his zone. Two-three zone. Kittles up on top of the zone. Jones. That's a three. Excellent skip pass. Throw the ball right over the top of the zone. Get the good look in the seam. King. Shepard. Just before the buzzer, he banked it in. Three-year starter for his career. He's the perfect complimentary player to Ray Allen. Kittle's starting to heat up. He got the charitable bounce off the rim. He's such a special player. I love Kerry Kittles. Last year, player of the year. I thought he deserved it. They won the Big East Championship. He was brilliant all year. Allen, nothing but net from three. I'll tell you, he was on fire, and he was focused, and he was mentally into this game all day. But he's got to score a little bit. UConn was riding a 27-game home winning streak, ranked number one in the nation for the first time. Villanova was coached by Steve Lapis, had Kerry Kittles on his team, and boy, was he thankful for that. Kittles scored 37 points on just 18 shots. Nova's defense held Ray Allen to 11 points. Nova won the day 96-73. to Pretty good UConn team, but that day, even better Villanova team, Kev. Well, maybe one of the more underrated players in the history of the Big East is Kerry Kittles. You know, we name the great players, and it's you know, Patrick and the Pearl and Chris Mullen and, and you know, uh, so many great players. Kerry Kittles, his name doesn't get mentioned. He was not only outstanding that day, he was great with Villanova and had a really long run in the NBA as well. You know, what you might also not remember from this season 26 years ago is that even though UConn went on to win the regular season title in 95, same two teams met in the tournament final that year, and Nova did it to the Huskies again, 94 to 78. Dangerous teams, I guess. And, uh, you know, that's when Connecticut was truly a national title contender year after year in those mid-90s, just rolling out the NBA players one after the next. Speaking of contenders year after year after year, the responsibility for keeping Villanova in contending status over the past couple of decades has fallen under the capable shoulders of Jay Wright. Two national titles in the past five seasons certainly has the Wildcats elevated into blue blood status, but staying there, in a pandemic is another matter entirely. Jay Wright joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. There's 1.1 on the clock right now. Yeah, here comes Mamu, and everybody's there. It's kind of like the Hail Mary. Molson throws it again. Mamu caught it. Three-pointer for the win. And Villanova hangs on. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. You know, in the early days of the Big East Conference, the Villanova Wildcats epitomized what the league really meant to everyone. The opportunity for smaller schools to rise up alongside the big boys and then beat up on those same big boys. Roley Massimino's teams did that. And in the present-day version of the Big East, Jay Wright's teams have built on top of that foundation with a couple of national titles of their own. Coach Wright joins us this week in the Big East. Jay, your program has history behind it now. And in a year where college blue bloods seem to be struggling all over the country, your guys keep plugging along. Would you finally let us in on your secret to success? (laughs) Well, good to talk to you guys. Uh, I feel like we're struggling along too. Um, It's been a... It's been an incredible year, uh, a lot of challenges, um, 
we've been fortunate for for some years here to have really good players. That that's always the key. You can ask any coach that's had any type of success. We've had really good players that are um, coachable and 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 take pride in the program. You know, and, and that's I, I think that's what I'm most thankful for here at Villanova. Yeah, I've certainly followed your team closely this year and checked in on all these crazy uh, zooms that that we that we communicate with these days. And it seems you obviously have been thrown off by some COVID pauses and whatnot. I'm curious, do you think, you know, it's a day-by-day operation, but do you think your team has settled in for, for the rest of the year? You know what? I really don't, Kev. I, I you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how to handle this. We're, we're as a staff, we're, we're kind of frustrated and where we are defensively and, and, um, and we understand why we are where we are. And we, we really believe that we had to make some choices, um, you know, based on not having our summer or really basically our fall. We missed most of our fall. And, and then uh, the last two quarantines, we had to make choices about, you know, where do we put our practice time? Where do we put our energy? And we feel like we've put a lot of it into offense. And um, it's not that we feel like we made a bad decision. It just, we feel like our defense is, um, is suffering be, because of that, you know, and, and we've got, we're trying to figure out ways, you know, in this short period of time until the Big East tournament to, to try to shore that up. And, and, you know, I'm sure every team is, is going through the same kind of challenges. Um, we're, we're not alone in that area. It's just that as coaches, you know, as you ask me, do you feel like you're, you finally settled in? Definitely not. So it sounds to me then it's almost like damage control or damage mitigation, if you will, trying to figure out what the best uh, point of attack is. It's probably a good thing that you do have at least some coachable talent on your roster. It's, it's true, John. I, it, it, that really is what it is. It, you're, you know, even when you win a game, um, we, we, we came out when we came out of quarantine this, this last time and we won a game against Seton Hall that we, when we honestly assessed it, we were so lucky. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. They shot like 59% against us. Our defense was horrendous. We botched end of game situations. They, they had a, uh, they had a, a, a four foot shot literally at the buzzer went right through Mamu's hands. Um, and, and we had to be honest, like we just, all right, we just came out of quarantine and, and we just made some shots and got lucky. Um, and, and so we're, we're just trying to figure out after each game, even if you win a game, um, you know, where, where do we put our time to improve? And if you lose a game, not to overreact because you know, you, you still have a lot of work to do. Uh, Jay, I'm curious where you are with, uh, scheduling. Be honest with you. I, I worry about a few teams. I can't keep track of all 11. Uh, I know that you had quite a few postponements. You weren't quite sure if you could get, 19 or 20 Big East games in. That's A and B. Has Mark Few stopped calling you for that great game <laughs> in Kansas City just yet? You know what? He hasn't called. He hasn't called in the last week or two. Um, it might have been because we dropped a couple games. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I think right now, Kev, we we would have 21 games if we make it through. Um, that would be our total number of games. And we learned a lesson early in the season when we were in Connecticut in, in the bubble and we were thinking about just get in as many games as we could. And we realized that wasn't really the, the best 
tact either because there were some games you play in, you just, you know, you need the practice. You're not ready. And mentally it's, it's, it's wearing on the guys. So um, we, we kind of feel like the way we have our schedule now, it doesn't mean we might not be able to add one somewhere. Um, but if, if everybody we play stays healthy and we play health, stay healthy, then we would have 21 games. Turning then to what you have left ahead of you uh, is Coach Jay Wright from Villanova joins us this week in the Big East. And knowing what you have to get ready for, which is certainly not only the upcoming Big East tournament next month, but the potential for going to Indianapolis and sequestering for a while, are you beginning to think along those lines of how best to handle it just because, you know, some of your guys do struggle from time to time with uh, with what's going on this year? Yeah, we are making decisions about that. And, and, and that's, you know, just another distraction uh, during this pandemic that every team is dealing with. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. You want to make sure you do everything you can to qualify for the tournament. You know, you want to keep your concentration on your next big East game. You don't want to be thinking about that stuff, you know, and, and you don't want to spend time on that stuff. Um, but there's so many decisions to be made. Uh, for instance, our last, game one of the decisions we're gonna have to make today is our last game is at Providence and we have to decide do we come right from Providence to go right to New York Mm -hmm. um, or do we you know take a chance and come back to campus and and know what's campus going to be like you know are we safer in the hotel in New York things like that Um, that you know if you're fortunate enough to get to the bubble in Indianapolis and, and you're fortunate enough to win a couple games, you're going to have been in a bubble for almost three weeks, you know, and mm-hmm. we did it for a week up in Connecticut. It was, it was tough. So all, all these things are um, decisions you have to make and, and, and mental preparations you have to make for your team. And again, it, it's, it's all part of this season. I, I really believe if, if much like college football, if we can get to the point it's first of all in the Big East. If we can play a Big East tournament and and end up with a Big East champion, I honestly don't care who it is or how we get there. I, I obviously hope it's us. But if we can have a Big East championship game at the Garden um, and everyone remains healthy and safe, I, I think we should consider ourselves very very successful. And then and then the same thing with the NCAA tournament. If we can get to the last game, mm-hmm. championship game, no matter what it looks like. I think we should consider ourselves very successful. You sound like Nick Saban, uh, Jay, in all, in all honesty, I'm, I'm being serious. You know, at, at the end of the college football playoff, he, he said it was probably our greatest season just because of all we had to go through. They actually had to play more SEC games than ever before. And percentage-wise, you'll play more Big East games than ever before. Um, it's specifically about your team. We haven't mentioned one player yet, but that, that's that kind of a season. Uh, Colin Gillespie, clearly your leader, has had a great Villanova career. Statistically, not the same as previous years, but my guess is you would say leadership-wise, maybe his best year. Exactly, Kev. Uh, he, he's um, the heart and soul of this team. He's um, he, he's the guy that drives us. He he's the brains on this team, um, and and he, he he's the guy. Uh, that, that really understands what Villanova basketball is all about. And, you know, I, I think he's suffering from good defense and good coaching in this league that um, is, is really focusing in on, on shutting him down. And, um, you know, mo- most nights he's done a really good job of recognizing that and, 
his assist to turnover has been incredible because he's just been finding other people because teams are focusing on shutting him down. Thanks again to Villanova head coach Jay Wright. Is it Villanova and then everyone else? Understandable if that's the perception out there, but only because the complete picture isn't yet painted for all of us to see this year. Contenders and sleepers in the Big East from a former Wildcat, CBS analyst Steve Lapis. Next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. Polly dribbles left, pull up jumper by Polly, no good. Buck Knight, right hand, <laughs> hammered it home out of nowhere. Wow. James Booknight and UConn leads 13-8. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. It's getting to be that time of year when contenders separate themselves from the pack if they truly are contenders. Steve Lapis is coached in this league. He's covered it for CBS. He probably knows a contender when he sees one. He joins us this week in the Big East. So, Steve, let's, let's set Villanova aside for just a moment. Maybe even set Creighton aside as well. Is there another Big East team capable, you think, of a late-season run toward the top? Or maybe they're off the radar right now for the NCAAs and kind of lying in the weeds, so to speak. Anyone out there that you can think of? Well, I mean, you know, let's face it. St. John's is really hot lately. Obviously, they had that loss at Butler the other day, but they came back strong, uh, you know, beating a very good Xavier team last night. So, you know, and I think a team like Connecticut's kind of going under the radar because book night was hurt. Right. Book night, James Booknight is one of the best players in the league. So I would say those are two teams that people really – and Connecticut has really not been talked about much at all recently. And I think they had a chance to have a great year if they had had Book Knight. And they really missed him, you know, because they, they struggled to score. He's their best perimeter player, and uh, uh, they, they really missed him. But I think those are two teams that are definitely on the right track. I'm totally with you, Coach, especially especially Connecticut. They just have deep talent. Not, not only is Book Knight an impact player, but you, you can see the improvement of uh, Jackson, the freshman. Uh, R.J. Cole, uh, I think he'll play off Book Knight really well. Uh, do you think their upside is get into the tournament or maybe maybe do some damage? No, they, they're capable of doing some damage because I really think that that team was a top 20 team had they had Book Knight. I mean, you take a look at this. Tyler Polly has been one of their better players for the last couple of years. He comes off the bench. Right. Josh Carlton, one of their – he started basically for two years. He comes off the bench. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is a team that um, that really has a lot of depth. And now that Book Knight is back, a little bit more explosiveness. I mean, this kid had a 40-point game earlier in the year before he got hurt. So um, I, I think they're a very dangerous team for the tournament. I think it also probably stands to reason, Coach, that teams that can come in and play that kind of shut-you-down defense that UConn is capable of, which has certainly been notable this year, is probably a team that could do some damage in the NCAAs, provided they can get into it in the first place. Well, there's no doubt that defense is something that travels, and uh, they, have, they have been consistently good defensively all year. And now they're a team that should score 70. And you got to think that if, if Danny Hurley's team scores 70 – they're going to win a lot of games. Steve, you also mentioned St. John's. I'm totally with you there. You know, I think we all have seen Mike Anderson's style and seen the intensity his teams play with, and that usually translates to defense. But, wow, what an explosive offensive team. Uh, what's your spin on St. John's? Well, you know, the thing about St. John's is, is that Posh Alexander has really come into his own. And he was, he was a good freshman during the first part of the year. He, now he's a really good player, um, and he really makes them go because the energy that he plays with 
on both ends of the floor is unbelievable. I, I mean, I think he he's probably the hardest playing guy in the league. If I if you tell me pick one guy who you think is the hardest playing guy, I would say Posh Alexander. And the thing about that is that's a that's a talent. Mm. You know, that just that isn't some oh yeah you just play hard. No, no, that's a talent. That kid is is born with that talent of that's how he approaches things. That's how he plays the game. He plays so hard all the time. He looks like he's a tremendous leader. And, you know, when you're – and I'm not saying he's their best player, but he's probably the second best player. And, you know, and look at the year Champagne's had. I mean, the guy's a leading scorer in the league. So this is – and they got a lot of guys. One thing about Mike Anderson, he always – because of his style, he always plays a lot of guys because he has to. And they develop. And right now you got a guy like Isaiah Moore coming off the bench. And you got Greg Williams, who was a, a starter who hurt his back. And now he's coming off the bench. So uh, Erlington coming off the bench. So this is a team that's deep. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you talk about a guy like Vince Coles capable of having a big game who's starting. So it's a team with a lot of firepower. As long as they continue to defend and that style is a tough style to play against, you know, because they make you attack. You know, you can't run your stuff because they're coming after you every second. You got to go. And if you're not making good decisions uh, for 40 minutes, you're going to have a problem. CBS analyst, former Villanova coach Steve Lapp is joining us this week in the Big East. All right, let's bring the Wildcats and the Blue Jays back into the equation just a moment. And, and while they are certainly up at the top of the league, you know, where do you find their strengths versus their weaknesses? What's going to allow them to continue to play on into March once we turn the corner? Well, I mean, uh, we'll start with Villanova. First of all, they're a team that is so smart. They lead the nation in least turnovers per game, so they don't ever give you anything easy you don't get you know they don't give you layups they don't you don't steal the ball from them they're so efficient in their half court offense uh they play a tough style in that they will grind you out you know they they play slow they're one of the slower playing teams in the nation and they play half court offense and if you're not a good half court team and a lot of teams aren't good half court teams and if you're not a good half court offensive team Villanova will give you all kinds of problems now lately they have struggled I think, uh, you know, some of the athletic uh, guards have hurt Colin Gillespie a little bit, and they're not the greatest, they're not the most athletic team in the world. They don't really have a guy in the post. I mean, Robinson Earl is a very good player. He's more of a face-up guy. Uh, And the other thing they don't have, they don't really have a guard coming off the bench, and I think that hurts them. You know, Swider comes off the bench, and Slater comes off the bench, and sometimes Dixon, but no guards. And I think they're short of guard, which I think in the end could hurt them some. And then, you know, Creighton is, is an explosive team offensively. We know that. Zagorowski's as good a player as – I don't know if he's going to be the player of the year in the league. You know, he, he hasn't had, he's had a really good year, but not maybe that kind of year. Mm-hmm. And this team can score. But you know what I like about Creighton is that Christian Bishop has gotten better and better and better. And I really – I saw him a lot as a freshman. And he was a guy who just, you know, he could just make layups and dunk. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, he's really doing a lot more now. He's been consistent scoring, but I don't say he can shoot it. He doesn't shoot it, but he just knows what he does and he does it really well. And he's, he's been a big difference for them. And then you got a guy like Ballack, who's like one of the best shooters in the country. So very explosive team. Greg McDermott is a terrific offensive coach. I'm not, and they're better defensively than they've been too, but offensively really good. All right, Steve. Now I'm going to give you the job that no one wants. Usually it's actually be kind of cool to be on the, selection committee the men's basketball committee this year i I don't know how you differentiate between you know st john's 
and Louisville. You know, Louisville has won quad one win, has had a lot of, you know, pauses with the COVID. And St. John's, you know, clearly they're trending the right way and they look like a good team. They have a great win against Villanova. Good luck, right? I mean, really tough job. It's a tough job. And, you know, there's going to be all kinds of unbalanced schedules. There's going to be all kinds of, uh, you know, people playing 17 games versus people playing 23 games. Um, It's as hard as it gets. But I think everybody, everybody, uh, the the media, uh, the NCAA, the schools, I think everybody's got to take a step back and say, look, we've been just fortunate to have a tournament. And, you know, yeah, there's going to be people that disappointed they're not in. That happens every year. But I think we ought to take this year with a grain of salt and not dissect it too hard. But, you know, I'll give you an example. Last week they came out with the – the NCAA came out with the top 16 teams in the tournament. And people asked me, was there any surprise? I said, yeah, I was off the top of my head. I was surprised that Villanova at that point was not a one seed and Ohio State and Illinois were both ahead of them. But you know what? When you look at the the breakdown of those teams, Ohio State has the most quad one wins in the nation, mm-hmm. but nobody was talking about them being a one seed for the NCAA tournament. So you got to look at the numbers, no doubt about it. But I think everybody this year has to take a step back, take it with a grain of salt. There's going to be things that are crazy. You disagree with this. You agree with this. Let's just have a tournament and be happy and get hopefully back to normal next year. CBS analyst and former Villanova coach Steve Lapis. Who's got next? A favorite activity of the league office these days, scheduling updates, and the next opportunities to make some noise coming up this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next this week in the Big East? Who's got next this week in the Big East? Zagorowski in front of the Creighton bench. A little jab step, trying to get free with six to shoot. Zagorowski working the dribble, backing up. Now going against Slater. Throws to Balance. Balance off balance. Three, it's good! He was falling toward the sideline, heaved it up as the shot clock was going off. Ballock gives Creighton an 81-60 lead with an absurd three in front of the bench. John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. The weekly schedule upcoming is going to be a jumble for a lot of teams. Kevin, a lot of teams are actually going to get in three games over a seven- or eight-day period this week. You know, John, the Big East uh, set up these open weeks Uh, months ago, really, when they knew that it was going to be a huge squeeze at the end of the season. And now we have numerous teams, including first place Villanova, that have to play pretty much three games in an eight-day period two times between now and the end of the season. So very busy stretches for these teams. Let's start off with the big game of this weekend, UConn playing at Villanova. Great test on both sides. And what kind of a contender can UConn really be? Well, UConn certainly looked like a totally different team when they dispatched Providence. Didn't James Booknight is back. He looks good. You know, I think people made a big deal out of his injury and he wouldn't be up and running. John, it was an elbow, you know, in, in theory, plenty of running. That shouldn't be an issue at all. Shooting is a different story, but as he showed against Providence, he's ready to go. How about Xavier? They've got three over a seven, eight-day period as well. They have a home game against Butler. Uh, They will start off actually this uh, weekend, uh, uh, well, with that game against Butler. And then during the week on Wednesday, they got a visit to Providence. Next Saturday, a home game with Creighton. That's a tough road. Butler needs quad one wins. They just haven't played a lot of games against the better teams in the Big East. That's going to change here in the last two weeks of the regular season. Xavier needs to put some in its back pocket right now that they're probably in the NCAA tournament because they have a good net. But if you go deeper into their resume, it needs some more meat. 
And the one team that is basically, I, I don't want to say taking it easy, but they're just not on the schedule this week because they've already got a lot of, uh, you know, uh, weight on their schedule is Creighton. They won't play until Wednesday at home against DePaul. They have a, I wouldn't say a light schedule, but compared to these other teams, it's a, it's pretty light lifting. Uh, the rest of the way, they do have a trip to Villanova, which who knows, might be for first place in a regular season championship. Hey, our thanks to St. John's Julian Champagne, Villanova's Jay Wright, and CBS Sports Analyst and former Wildcat coach Steve Lapis for joining us this week. Thanks as always to our flagship radio stations for their broadcast and highlight assistance. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins, executive producer John Paquette. Thanks to the coaches and administrators at all 11 Big East member schools. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Our Twitter handles at JR Broadcaster, at Kevin McNamara 33. Use the hashtag TwitMe if you have questions. We'll join you right here. Same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.